You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, sexymarriage.net. You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. So we are fast approaching a milestone. Which My milestone is that? My fair wife, Pam, is Which joining one? me every week on Sexy Marriage Radio now. Uh, just about to top 6 million downloads. Ah, sweet. As a show. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a pretty cool accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. We're not too far off. It should be within the next week. Cool. Or so, if trends continue. So, welcome to Sexy Marriage Radio. Now that you're here, you're helping us get closer to that mark. Yeah. What is What does the 6 millionth downloader get? The joy of being the six millionth downloader. I have no idea, a no way to applause, track that. Yeah, I can't applause. even track who that person would be. I don't get that kind of detail on All the right. statistics with Sexy Marriage Radio. But we're glad that you're here, and the Sexy Marriage Nation takes their time out each week to spend it with us. And we want to hear from you. And the way you can let us know what you think is 214-702-9565. You can also jump on our email inbox at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com where we love to hear from the Sexy Marriage Nation with their questions, their thoughts, their concerns, their, hey, go a little deeper on that. What about this? Which is where we're going to actually head today a okay. little bit. Uh, we also want to ask you, as a member of Sexy Marriage Nation, please to jump on iTunes and give us a rate and review and a comment. Yeah, that helps us climb the charts. It helps us spread the word. Mm-hmm. And we want to say thank you to Scentbird for su- supporting Sexy Marriage Radio with this episode and with an exclusive offer just for you, our listeners. You can get 50% off your first month today. That's only $7.50 for your first fragrant. Go to Scentbird.com forward slash SMR. Use the code SMR for 50% off your first month. So coming up on today's regular free version of Sexy Marriage Radio, we've got a couple of questions that have come in. That came from last week's episode on cruelty in marriage. Yeah. So we will circle back and uh, add to a little bit of that talk. Okay. um, Because I think it's worth fleshing out a little bit more because it's also some other things are uncovered with a new email that's come in um, on just some of the dynamics and dilemmas of married life. Mm -hmm. Came across this quote, actually, that when sex is good in marriage, it's about 10%. Of the issue, you know, of the relationship, but when yeah. sex is bad, it's about ninety percent of the problem with of the relationship as far as what we focus on. Okay, okay. <laughs> you like know, I when, when there's problems, on that a little right. bit. Okay, well, I'm okay with you stewing. All right. And on the extended version, Sexy Marriage Radio, which is deeper, longer, and no ads, you can subscribe at sexymarriage.net. We're going to do a part two from last week's extended content. Yeah, I got a lot of good feedback on that. It That was some of the most um, positive response in, in the quickest fashion with the extended content last week's show. But we're going to go on a little bit further from the idea of self-confrontation and into the whole world of holding on to yourself, Good, which is like a part two. <clears throat> good. So all that's coming up on today's show. We're glad you're here. One of the things, too, that I failed to mention at the beginning was... Um, if you want to get on in, on board with more of the extended content, you know, you go to sexymarriage.net. Mm-hmm. But you can also get a, even deeper into this with the Academy. Yeah. Still at sexymarriage.net yeah. Yeah. forward slash Academy or SMR Academy will get you the info, info on how you can join just to get the extended content or 
join the whole world of the Sexy Marriage Radio Academy where monthly coaching calls, a, a private discussion board. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on and the people that are involved are, are really involved. There's quite a bit of, of dialogue. Yeah, there's I actually had some good conversation today direct messaging a couple of members mm-hmm. in the academy. So that's a whole lot of fun. So Yeah, and, they, and the the monthly coaching calls are, are great. I mean, you can... It's kind of like getting some uh, one-on-one time, but you're really with a group. You get a lot of right. deep, you can get some deep dive info from that. Right. So it's, it's more access. Yeah. And we find that it's really, really helpful for a lot of couples. So this came in to the inbox that just says, hey, Corey and Pam, love the show. Thanks for boldly going where others won't. In response to the second topic on the free version of episode 404, which was last week, I'm curious as to why you didn't raise the probability that this guy is truly addicted to sex. As a recovering sex addict myself, it seems to me that he's medicating something, and until he gets help to figure out what that is and why, nothing his wife does will ever be enough. Okay, so I think you specifically didn't go there. You want to kind of fill in why you didn't go there on the show absolutely because this and and what he's raising uh is a valid option and thought yeah because if you missed if you missed last week's show on cruelty in marriage which was episode 404 we talked about an emailer where his her the wife had emailed in husband was uh masturbating multiple times a day and had an element of cruelty he would leave things out in the open for right. her. So that she knew that it was it happening. Do it in bed at night. And, and he's even flat out said, all I need you for is sex. Right. And so we just landed in the world of cruelty. And there is likelihood there can be an addiction going on. Um, I have a reluctance on the platform of Sexy Marriage Radio to ever throw around the word addiction. Why is that? I'm okay doing this in my office where mm-hmm. I have a deeper dive with people. Okay. And I have a deeper understanding of what's really going on. But the one thing I'm real reluctant to use the word addiction because it just labels things. And some of those labels give license for really bad things. Such as? Such as, oh, you're, this, and I'm taking the stance of the, st- of the spouse who emailed in from last week's show. Oh, you're addicted. So it's all your problem. Okay. Which, okay. Fair. But- she still plays a role. Mm-hmm. So I want to land, at least behind the microphone for every episode, in the world of what's the systemic dynamics going on? What's some of the issues that happen that don't put you in an addiction terminology world? Okay. The other thing is, while I love the framework that AA has created in giving a, a step-by-step process to really confront um things that really, you know, the hurts, hangups, and struggles that you can have and how we all medicate. Um, One of the things I don't like about the addiction terminology is this concept of, well, yeah, I'm I'm a recovering alcoholic, and so I'm an addicted. I'm I'm an addict. Really? When was the last time you had a drink? 35 years ago. Are you healed? No. You know, and it's just kind of, there's almost that whole... In a, and it's not that the uh, the struggle towards any kind of a substance ever goes away for some people. Right. But a, the, the addiction world almost presupposes it never will. Okay. And I just think that sometimes struggles do go away. We can be healed from things. We can overcome things. 
We can make it to where it doesn't have the hold on us. Okay. But more than anything, you don't want to stick a label on something really at a, from a high level when you don't have all the details. Uh, yeah. It'd be more like um, when we're listening to something like that, it's, okay, here's one possibility, but that's not what we're focusing on. Right. Right. And right. so we're not always going to throw out, okay, here's every possibility under the sun. Right. But... And then the other issue that came up is if he was the one that emailed in, I'd be more likely or open to possibly exploring that. Yeah. But she's the one asking for help, not him. Right. Labeling him as an addict, she already knows, hey, unless he reevaluates himself and what he does with his life and how he handles life and how he interacts with me and my in our marriage, that's that's the main thing that could change things dramatically. But how do I make that happen? Right. As so a spouse. The point is, how does she handle? Right. And so it really comes down to how does she confront the cruelty that's going on, mm-hmm. the flippantness that's going on. And and it's just, I, I like the point and I'm, I love the pushback of, hey, what about this? Yeah. Because there are a lot of people that I've worked with that um, have gotten tremendous bl- benefit from the addiction process as far as going through Sure, that. a lot of people listening right now. Have Absolutely, had that. and and it gives a framework that really does offer a path of hope and restoration and absolutely. Healing. And I'm not I'm not discounting that at all. I just want to be very reluctant behind the microphone when I don't have all the information to come in because this is not professional advice. You know, this is not intended to be. You're seeing. I'm seeing you. We have a clinical relationship. Yeah, we don't. Because this is just us talking about the system and the dynamics that we think work. And that's where we want to land mm-hmm. as much as possible. So, Pam, have you ever had someone come up to you and say, you know what? You smell amazing. What perfume are you wearing? Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to say I have, yes. Well, because you have great taste and you probably know what you like, Scentbird has made a great way to mix up the fragrant routine without breaking the bank. Whether it's Tom Ford, Gucci, or Versace, Scentbird keeps you smelling good month after month. We've loved the fact that it shows up at our door. We can change up the style mm-hmm. according to the season or the event because it comes in a one-month supply. It's roughly about 120 sprays. Mm-hmm. So it keeps you smelling fresh all month long. And then if you want, a new scent rises. It shows up at your door. We love that... If you're not even sure what you're looking for, you want to try a new fragrance by brand, style, occasion, you can because it's just for a month. Yeah, so not... no longer mm-hmm. do you have half-used bottles filling your medicine cabinet. Mm-hmm. Scentbird has all kinds of ratings to help you figure out what exactly works for you, and you can even take a quiz to discover more personalized recommendations for your taste. With an exclusive offer just for our listeners, you can get 50% off the first month today. That's only $7.50 for your first fragrance. Go to scentbird.com forward slash SMR and use the code SMR for 50% off your first month. Again, that's scentbird.com forward slash SMR for you to try your first perfume or cologne for just $7.50. Sign on and smell amazing. So another email just came in right after last week's show. I mean, we got a lot from last week's episode, which is fantastic. And this isn't necessarily expounding on the topic that we had last week, but I'm just going to uh, read 
and paraphrase this. So after listening to yesterday's podcast, I felt compelled to write in about something that's been on my mind. We talk a lot about the higher and lower desire spouses. However, I don't think that you've ever spoken directly to what priority spouses play on their respective partner's own levels of desire. In the most recent podcast, we heard about the wife who experienced pain during intercourse, yet still offered her husband oral sex to help satisfy his needs. Another wife was faced with a cruel, almost insatiable husband, yet she still tried extremely hard to satisfy his sexual needs. Or maybe demands might be the better word in that instance. Over time, I've heard many other examples on the podcast of spouses, usually wives, who are the lower desires yet place great importance on their spouse's needs. Though these situations aren't always completely positive, I think it's commendable that these spouses place such a high priority on their partner's needs. We would be remiss to not at least acknowledge this. And I think that's a fantastic point mm-hmm. that he's making, that he's pointing out that there are a wealth of information in emails that come through and voicemails that do show spouses taking making a priority of what their other spouse wants. Yeah. And I think that's, that is worth pointing out. So kudos agree. to the emailer bringing that up. So as you might guess, this strikes a chord with me because I'm typically not afforded such priority in my own marriage. Though I've tried times, many times solidly and honestly communicate my level of desire and why sex is important to me and the relationship, my wife hardly ever even will engage with the subject. She's agreeable to sex on her own timetable, irrespective of what I've communicated to her. Often, it's made clear to me that her hobbies or even staying current with her TV shows are greater priorities to her than my level of desire. It pains me that a TV show can be more important and must be watched right when kids are in bed rather than us hanging out and having sex. I say this to point out that it's not just offering levels of desires that can create friction in marriage. Often, I think the problem lies with one spouse giving little or no priority to the other spouse's needs, and this doesn't work both ways. If a husband and wife respect one another's needs, then it's possible they can both have those needs met. But if one spouse affords no priority to the other's needs, then only one will be content while the other is not. So he's pointing out some good things, which is really, to me, this idea of this is the dynamic of gridlock in marriage. Yeah, absolutely. It's total gridlock. And and I guess we're addressing this with the person who's listening to the episode and the other person, if this isn't a priority for them, they're probably not even listening anyway. It's possible, but it doesn't, that doesn't take out of the equation that the spouse that's not listening and not interested in the help doesn't know what's going on, though. They know. I would agree. They know the dynamic. That's the one thing that's kind of been ringing true with a lot of clients I've been talking with lately, especially the husbands that I've been working with lately, where we're talking about this, this gridlock struggle and... I'll just ask the question flat out to the husband of, so your wife has a pretty good idea you're interested in sex, right? And every one of them, yeah, she knows. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. Well then, now we need to talk about the fact that she knows and she's not interested. It's not about how do you communicate your your want better because she knows. So it's how do you play your side of the the street better? Right. And and I guess I see also the question here of... um, you know, is one spouse giving little or no priority to the other spouse's needs? And I think sometimes we look at this too as what's a need and what's a want. Fair. And and while each of you may 
think what you have is a need or you may recognize it as a want, the other person may see it as totally the opposite. Right. And there, there's truly a difference between need and want. Right. Um, you would still hope that your spouse, even if it was just a want, would be interested in um, maybe partaking in that with you. Yeah, and that's that's where you, so I've let's start here on a higher level okay. conversation. Okay. Because this what comes to my mind, Pam, as you're as you're describing this, is I think we all have I think of it as like a continuum. You know, so if you're looking at a, a high end of the scale and a low end of the scale and they're not necessarily a hierarchy. This is just be more of a of a horizontal line. And on one end is the 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 absolutely no ways. Of, of what I'm willing to do or not. Yeah. Right? Because I think what he's touching on in this email applies to more than just are you having sex or not. It also applies to the no oral zones that some marriages exist mm-hmm. and the no kissing zone or the no intimacy zones or the no foreplay zones. or And those are usually determined by the lower desire of that topic. Right. That they say, no, I'm not interested. I don't want it. Whatever. And we all have those no's to some degree. Yeah. So on one end, you have the no way. And on the other end of the scale, you have the I absolutely love it, can't get enough of it. Right? And right. So this is almost kind of a litmus right. test. And right. So I'm curious that as you move away from the no way mm-hmm. and you get closer to the indifferent zone <laughs> where... A lot of times people are like, you know what? I tried the oral sex thing and it didn't really do anything for me. And so sometimes that's enough information to make me decide I'm not doing it anymore just because it didn't do anything for me. Meanwhile, my spouse might absolutely love it. But since it didn't do anything for me, I put it on the low end of the scale and it's off, it's off the table. Right? Right. I'd say that's probably kind of a regular occurrence. Okay. And so my curiosity is then, when you come into the specifics of what happens in your marriage when it comes to your sex life, at what point does, on that scale, does some of this start to become, you know, kind of it's the price of admission to the relationship? It doesn't really do anything for me, but since she loves it, I'll do it. Occasionally. It's not all the time, Mm -hmm. but... It's a, okay, yeah, I'm all right with that from time to time. Yeah. If it's if it's on the scale of, eh, it didn't do anything for me, but it's not a moral issue for me. Right. Right? If right. it's one of those that, Yeah, because eh. I think if you get closer to the moral, the morality of things in your own mind, then you're talking closer to the no way zone that that's just out, and here's why. Yeah, and that's just going to be gridlock for you if you're seeing different. But I think that there's a lot of things that it comes to with our sex life and even the dynamic of our intimacy, intimate connections that are... You know what? It just doesn't do anything for me, so therefore I don't go there. And what he's pointing out in this email is, but my spouse is dying over here for it. Right. Is desperate for it. Right. And so how do you at least, because in my mind, this is a way to help me drill in, okay, why am I reacting and, and not interested? And you know, just to get deeper, rather than, oh, I had one experience with it, it was bad, therefore off the list for my life forever. So I'm going to bring up something that um, maybe you've already thought of or you were going to bring up, but 
at what point does it come into play that is it, is this a give and take? Do we as spouses do things for our spouse because they want it um, more often if we get the same, if it's reciprocated to us, right? So if he, if she loves sitting and watching TV all the time, right. or if that's her way when the kids go to bed, that's her unwind. Now, now and... I got to unwind. I need to watch this TV show. Right. If he sits down with her to do that, is there a, because quote unquote, she needs that time. Right. Right. I, I guess I have a hard time sometime understanding what's a need and what's a want. To me, I think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? right? right. I need food. Yeah. I need water. Yeah. I need shelter. sleep. I need shelter. Mm-hmm. That's just for for survival. You know, when we when we go beyond that, sometimes I, I well, maybe a, I simplify it too much and say everything race, else is a want. But as a race, though, as a species, we need sex. We need sex to keep to it to keep it going. We do. So it, it's it's built it's hardwired in us. Um, but I get you. I I would rather land Pam with what you're describing as okay. What if you took the time of looking at the acts? of watching TV to unwind, having a glass of wine, hanging out with my kids, having sex. I, I just look at all the different things that I'm interested in doing with my time. Yeah. And I do, drill deeper to what are the meanings of these things? Yeah. What does watching TV mean for me? What does is sex it, mean Is for it me? really a, this is the way I unwind. Okay. If it really is that, is there other ways you can unwind too? Because this is, again, we get locked in on this is what I choose. Therefore, I get blinders and I don't see other options. Right. Therefore, I also mean means I don't see my spouse. Right. And what their options are, which this is where the struggle and the beauty of a system and a committed relationship can really be a people growing machine. Because I want to offer for the, the guy that emailed in. You're, you're kind of touching on where I want to land is you're asking for how is it get, that I maybe my needs could be more priority. So my question is, well, your wife has the same merit you're asking too. She wants the priority of I want to watch shows. So can you honor that? Oh, that's a hard one. I, you know, I, I get it. It's, it's not apples to apples on the conversation. It, yeah. When you think about that, cause there's no connection that comes typically when you're watching TV. Unless you have sex during the commercials. Unless you have sex during the commercials. Or and there can the be game. this connection, right? That comes right. Uh, with the, with the act of sex together, you know, right. just right. making love together. And so it, it's not the same thing. I get it. It's, it's not an apples to apples so, equation we're talking and I, about. Yeah. So I get that, um, you know, they are two different things and they can have totally different meanings. Well, this is this has been a trend that I've seen in a lot of conversations with clients this week is that I'm talking to one spouse and they're adamant about their side of it. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. But your spouse's side of it, they're right too. <laughs> right? I mean, they have just as much right to what they want in life. And it's just a question of what is the cost? It, well, exactly. I guess, I guess you have a right to it, but it, yeah. What does it benefit? Do you want this marriage? If so, then hopefully both of you sit back and look at 
what it is you're doing and right well that this is what's setting the stage for where we're heading with the extended content here in just a little bit okay because this is the whole idea of i can try to change my spouse all i want and i'm going to wind up frustrated and disappointed yeah but i could also take the courageous step of asking myself what if what my spouse sees in this dynamic and not wanting what i want what if there's some merit to that what if she's right is it possible sex with me isn't as good as I think it is? Is it possible over the course of our marriage, I've taught her, I'll settle for less, I'm not a good lover, I'm not giving? I mean, having those chances to ask those questions can change the framework of how you go about what the next step could be. Okay. Because now all of a sudden you could open up the possibility, and this is something you've alluded to several times in some of the conversations we've had with some people at church, with the group we're working with at church yeah. lately, and then even just in um, on, on past shows, is just this whole, would I want to be married to me? That is just a key question that I've had that I think has impacted me more than anything else right. as a wife, is the first time I heard that question posed, man, there's so many times I wouldn't want to be married to me. <laughs> right. So many times. Right. And yeah. so if you can drill down in the, the priorities of, okay, I'm, I'm, begin, I'm given the tremendous opportunity to put aside some of my priorities for the sake of my spouse. It's not a quid pro quo when it comes to marriage in the sense of it's always an equal exchange-based principle. Mm-hmm. But you can have the opportunity of, can I love my spouse and giving up of some of my wants for theirs and not hold it over their head. That's a chance to actually give Mm -hmm. with no strings attached, while at the same time being overt about my wants. Mm -hmm. That I don't don't have to go. It's not an either or to me. It's a both and. It's how do I show love to my spouse, but I also don't back away from the pressure of what I want, what I'm interested in. Because I think you get you have more legs under you. They're more solid as far as yourself when you can demonstrate, hey, I'm carrying my weight. I'm I, I'm I'm getting better and better at answering the entirety of I would want to be married to me. Yeah, that's certainly more attractive when you're right. when you're acting that way. And it doesn't make this an easy path. This is why I use the word very pointedly of this is a courageous path Mm -hmm. because it is in uncharted waters a lot of time when you start asking questions this way Mm -hmm. because it can put the relationship in precarious situations. Right. So realize that. But that also doesn't mean it's going to be over. No. Right? But this is the chance to earn, and and this is the question I'd land this this plane with. What's the best step you can do going forward that earns your own self-respect? That you live true to who you are. Right, but you start you looking want. at it. You know what? At the end of the day, every single day, the rest of the days I've got, I have to be able to put my head on the pillow and be good with me. Mm-hmm. And go, you know what? I'm okay with me today. I, mm-hmm. I'm okay with how I handled it. And these are the areas I didn't do well, and I'm owning that, and that makes me better. Yep, and tomorrow I'm going to be better at those areas. I use that information, not as an excuse, but as fuel for better. Okay. Corey and Pam, how are you? This is Steve. Um, I found your podcast a 
about a week or two ago. I started listening because the very first episode that I was able to get to was 2.35 May 2016, and I've been binging ever since. You guys are so on target, and you've hit so many buttons that my wife and I, uh, we just have so many things to, to take advantage of from what you've talked about. Uh, I'm the high desire. My wife is the low desire. Uh, she also has some issues that you've touched on directly, which, which are going to help. The reason I'm calling is because I just listened to 351 about the red light and got to get a glass of water. I wanted to add hours, same idea. We call it nine o'clock rule. And we've been using this now for most of our 30 years of marriage. When a topic comes up that's heavy or personal or complicated, if it's after 9 o'clock at night, we table it because neither of us are at our best at the end of the day. But interestingly, we use the 9 o'clock rule anytime we want to pause the conversation. And it keeps us from escalating. So I'll get something. We'll be talking at breakfast about money or, or bills or relationship, and I'll say nine o'clock rule. Got to call nine o'clock rule. And when I get it called on me, I stop. When my wife gets it, she stops, and then we come back to it later in the day or l later the following day. So just wanted to share with you. It works really, really well to stem high emotions. So thank you guys. You're doing a great job. Can't wait to keep listening. The nine o'clock rule. Thank you, Steve. I love it. <laughs> I do too. That's the thing I love about the sexy emergination mm -hmm. is people helping people. Yeah. Call it in with, hey, what about this? Have you thought about that? I think this works. This works for us. It might work for you. It's fun getting in people's worlds and hearing all their little quirky ways that little things that work for them and who knows why it works for them, but it works for them. So I love that. Yeah. And we're not going to fault what we try, what works, what does it. it if it works for you, fantastic. It That's may right. not work for everybody, but it works for you. That's I'm good right. with that. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. If we left something undone, as we say every week, we want to know. 214-702-9565 or feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. And if you want to come get a little more involved, Sexy Marriage Radio Academy is happening. It's easy to join. Yeah. You get the extended content as well as even deeper if you go all the way with us in the Academy. And the Sexy Marriage Radio Getaway is right around the corner. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's less than four months away. This has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. We'll see you next time.